Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I have a very specific message. I don't have a good title for it. I was bothered by that, but I'm just going to give you the message anyway. Okay, it doesn't have a good title. But it does have to do with a really important theological position of the resting place. It has to do with your identity in Christ. But I want to talk about your, uh, the reality of what a sin nature is and the reality of what sin damage is. And the question being, do we have a sin nature or do we have sin damage? Don't answer that because you might be wrong. Okay, let me save you some face. Here, don't answer out loud right now. But I'm going to walk through some key scriptures with you tonight that hopefully will challenge you, uh, will definitely uh, provoke you to celebrating the cross because Jesus has done far more than we've celebrated. Okay, there is more at the cross than we have taken uh, to heart. I'm just, I believe that there is more in the atonement than we are walking in presently. Anybody with me? I believe that Jesus has actually paid it all. I don't sing the song, Jesus paid for some, right? Some to him I owe. No. Uh, God is very clear that this was the purpose. Uh, his plan was to send his son and to deal with all of it and to set us completely free to live in the resurrection life of God. All right? And there are traditions of the church that run right against that truth, and we just easily accept them. And I'm not mad at anybody, but I want to take you to the Word. I just want to be biblical in my Christianity. Is that fair? I just want to be biblical. Now, that doesn't mean I understand everything in the Bible. I'm not saying I am an expert. I'm just saying there are some very clear lines drawn about what Christ did for us and to us and through us at the cross that I think we have either ignored or just out of traditions, accepted something less. Here's my theological statement on all of this in a nutshell. Are you ready? I refuse to elevate the fall of Adam above the risen Christ. I refuse to say the fall of the first Adam has more effect on me than the rise of the last Adam which is Christ Jesus the righteous. I refuse to, in my theology, my practice, my application of the scriptures, filter this through, I am a fallen vessel in a fallen world. No, I am not. Jesus has come and raised me up with him, seated me with him in heavenly places. He's outdone, redone, overdone, everything Adam done. All right? Everything Adam, 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 Adam had done, he outdone. All right? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. No laughing, I forgot. It's no laughing, no coughing, no sneezing. Those are the rules for me right now. <laughs> anyway, and no wakeboarding, unfortunately. So I feel like you're with me, but there are, there are real-life applications to that that I think we are just relinquishing in many ways. And I hear it in our language. I hear it in the, the way the church talks about herself. I hear it in the way we talk about things like the flesh. I hear it, and I just wonder how much... Uh, biblical literacy we have around this subject. And what I'm going to say to you is going to come in direct conflict with about how many hundreds of years of, of theology? Eric, we were talking about this. What do you think? Since the beginning of the Protestant Reformation, so over 500 years of thought, I'm about to kick in the teeth right now. Okay, I'm about to say, you know what? We missed something. We missed something. I'm okay with being wrong. 
I don't know about you. I've been wrong three times. So, <laughs> so it's okay. Let's say this together. In fact, this will help you, all right? Say this after me if you dare. I don't need to be right. I need to know the truth. If you need to be right, that's the essence of pride. I want to know the truth, even if it means I'm proven wrong. Hallelujah. All right. I'm glad you're with me. So let me just say to you the bottom line. A Christian, like a born-again Christian, they've received the Holy Spirit of God. They have said yes to the Lord Jesus. They believe that he, he died, he rose again, that he is God. A born-again believer does not have a sin nature, but they do have sin damage. It is not natural for a Christian to sin, but it is very possible because of the damage sin has done in all of us. That is a very clear distinction, and it's right out of the scriptures. I am not saying a Christian can't sin. So I get this accusation, the same one Paul got. You're saying Christians don't sin. I was like, have you met any Christians? That's a ridiculous statement. <laughs> Hello? Right? But what I am saying is it's no longer natural for you to sin. It is not natural for you to sin. But many of you have been taught, maybe all of you, probably all of you at some point have been taught that it's your nature to sin, that it, you have a sin nature in Christ. I'm sorry, there is no darkness in him. And you are in him. So how do we explain our issues? Because one camp says, oh, we are just wretches, you know, sinners saved by grace. Hashtag not in the Bible, that statement, right? It's not there. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint who was a sinner, but because of grace, you've been changed. And then there's another camp that says, oh, I can't even sin because I'm so full of God. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, no, no. All truth is held in tension, and we need to be intentional about this truth. Okay? we got to walk that tightrope of, of truth. Requires the tension. So I'm okay with a little bit of tension. Are you? Okay. So to say a Christian has a sin nature is to say it's natural for a Christian to sin. Are you hearing that? I, like, think about it. Like, oh, I just, I have it. That's my sin nature. That's my sin nature popping up. That's my flesh popping up. Okay, for you to say that, you're saying it's natural for a Christian and a believer, born-again believer, to sin. It is not natural. It is possible, though, and I can tell you why. Because every believer has sin damage from being in the sin nature before Christ. And even if you somehow gave your life to Jesus, second one of being on the earth, like you, you went, you know, you came out the womb. I like to joke, I went from the womb to the pew. That's the truth. I've been in church my whole life, all right? I went from the womb to the pew, you know? And if you just, like, I mean, I don't know, five minutes old, you went, yes, Jesus, you know, like whatever. If somehow that happened, there's still been sin damage done to you. And you are able to sin after you've been set free from sin. Amen? Okay, so sin kills, no matter what. Doesn't matter if you're a believer or non-believer, it doesn't matter. If you're doing the sin or someone's sinning against you, it's a death sentence, okay? It is. It will kill. Sin kills. You lie, it kills something. You harm someone else, it kills something. It's, it is death. So right now, tonight, if you sin, it would be heaping death on yourself. And there's damage that comes with that. That needs to be healed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Okay, so a couple other things about that, and then we're going to read Romans 8, a lot of it, because <laughs> I just like the Bible. Okay, people want to, I just feel like I have to defend this a little bit more. People want to come and say, well, that, this makes no sense. If I didn't have a sin nature, then I wouldn't sin. I challenge that thought with the fact that Adam and Eve did just fine without a sin nature. Did Adam or Eve have a sin nature in the garden before the fall? No, they were perfect. They were like God, walking with God in the cool of the day. That word is ruach, by the way, in the spirit called day. You've heard that, you know, walking with God in the cool of the day. It's the Hebrew word for spirit, walking in the spirit. They were walking in spirit. I think they flew. That's just my opinion. In the Garden of Eden, I think they were flying around. I don't know. That's my hope anyway, because I really want to fly. Anyway, so, you know, they were walking with God in the fullness of his presence and all of that. They did not have the nature to sin, and yet they chose to sin. So it's totally possible to sin without a sin nature. Yes? Okay. Well, with this reality, with understanding that this is, it's possible but not natural, that's, that's what I want you to walk into. I want you to walk into the truth that, yeah, it's possible for me to sin, but it's no longer natural for me to sin. If we get there, I win tonight. If you, if you hit that as a heart-level belief, then we win. Okay, I'm going to defend that with Scripture. This is Romans 8. Verse 1 through 11, let me set it up for you. Romans 6, well, really Romans 5 talks about how the fall of Adam, Adam has nothing on the rise of Christ. That he died and, and death followed, or he sinned and death followed. But many sins came and then Christ died and rose again and life follows. So after many sins, Christ paid a higher price. It says the gift of salvation is not like the trespass in Romans 5. Meaning we should not even compare the fall of Adam to the rise of Christ. It's way better. It's way more powerful is what it's saying. I'm summarizing broad brush here. Okay, Romans 5. Romans 6 goes through and says you're set free from sin, dead to sin, no longer enslaved to sin. Sin will have no dominion over you. Set free from sin. You're a slave of righteousness. Those are direct quotes out of the ESV Bible. Okay, I'm not making this up. Set free from sin. It's emphatic. All right, you're not set free to sin. Come on, somebody. You're set free from sin. So we learn in Romans 6 it's used 17 times. This word sin is used 17 times. Okay, only once it's used as a verb, an action. 16 times it's used as a noun. You're set free from the person, place, or thing called sin. It used to control you, used to dominate your life, and now you're set free from it. But then at the very end of Romans 6, it says, you're a slave to whoever you choose to obey. Before Christ, you didn't have a choice. Like, don't get mad at the world for sinning. They don't have a choice. They're enslaved. Hello? Come on. Don't get mad at them. Don't get mad about it. They're enslaved, just like you and I were. But then Christ came, set us free from that bondage, and now we get to choose our master. That's what freedom is. Hello? A lot of people in the church want to chop down the second tree in the garden and call it sanctification. Remove all the choices for bad and call that holiness. That's not holiness. It's in the face of choosing him or choosing less things that you choose him. That's holiness. You have to have the opportunity to fail in order to succeed. You have to have the opportunity to sin in order to be a saint. Are you hearing me? Come on. Even the angels have a choice. A third of them chose to rebel. Hello? Like Gabriel is in heaven by choice right now. Okay. That's not my sermon. I'm going to read the scriptures now. Romans, I'm sorry, Romans 6, that's what it says. Romans 7 talks about being under the law. And if you, a careful reading of Romans 7 shows us that Paul is not saying, I am of the flesh. I, 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 I. He is saying, under the law, I died. 
and trying to be right by doing right things was a death sentence. And it caused more and more turmoil. And at the end of that, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Rhetorical question. The Apostle Paul is not confused as to who the deliverer of mankind is. Come on, somebody. He is not worried about it. It's actually called a prosopopoeia. You can look that up. Prosopopoeia. It sounds Italian. All right. It's actually, I know, it's putting on a mask and play acting as a dead man and then taking the mask off. And at Romans 8, verse 1, he takes the mask off. And he says, there is therefore. Therefore, whenever there's a therefore, you need to ask what it's there for. Okay, it's therefore everything I just said over the last five minutes, summarizing Romans 5, 6, and 7. Are you okay? I know, it was quick. This is my wheelhouse. I love talking about this stuff. So when God gives me the green light, I get really excited. I'm like, yes! I would preach this every week if I could. I really would. But I don't get to choose my messages. I don't. I'm a servant of the Lord. There is therefore, say therefore, now. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has, past tense, set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law it need, it cannot. I'm going to slow down here. It says the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, you got to slow down your Bible reading sometimes and say, is this, you're talking to me? Is it talking to me? Yeah, this is talking to you. This is not just for the church in Rome. This is for the ecclesia of God. This is for the capital C church of Jesus Christ, okay? You, say me. You, however, are not in the flesh. But in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. So, wait a minute, Paul. Wait a minute. I, it, the Bible says, do not sow seeds into the flesh. It says that the flesh is, is at war with the things of the Spirit. What are you saying? Well, those are realities, but the reality is not that you're in the flesh. It's that you can act like it. Mm-hmm. You've actually been set free from you. And we're waiting to be set free from you. <laughs> can't tell jokes tonight. It hurts. It does. It's a frisbee in there. Anyway, listen, the reality of this scripture cannot be overstated. It says you are not in the flesh if the spirit dwells in you. Let me ask you something. Will the spirit ever leave you? Is it the spirit of Christ? Yes. So Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm sending my Holy Spirit. I will never leave nor forsake you. So 
No matter what you do with your hands, your heart, your mind, your body, you cannot make the spirit leave. And this is simple math. It says, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, you are not in the flesh. So let me help you, Christian. You can't step into the flesh. All you can do is step into deception. All you can do is be deceived into thinking that you are now dominated by a carnal nature. No, that's deception. It's not reality. Is it possible to sin? Oh, yeah. But it's not possible to undo the finished work of Christ. You're not that cool. You're awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'll be the first one to tell you, you got it going on, all right? You are amazing, but you ain't that powerful to undo what he's done. And this is what he's done. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. He makes it even more emphatic. Like, this is the line in the sand. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Whoa, so there's a present tense reality of death. Although the body is dead because of sin. That's sin damage. So I'm talking about sin nature versus sin damage. You don't have a nature of sin, but you do have damage from sin. It says the body is dead, present tense. So if you notice, you are not in the flesh, past tense. Although the body is dead, present tense, it says because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. There's a present tense reality of the righteousness of Christ available to you. Hello? Just as real as the sin damage, which we all like, oh, yeah, I know I got damage. I got problems for sure. Yeah. Well, you need to be like, oh, yeah, I know I got the spirit of righteousness ruling and reigning in my heart as well. It's absolutely available. Just as easily accessed. I mean, where's your faith? You're putting more faith in the devil's ability to tempt you than God's ability to deliver you. It's not okay. And it's not according to the scriptures. I don't know what book you're reading. <laughs> it's not in here. Sorry, that was a little too sassy. But I don't know. I feel like I feel nervous. This is like new faces. They don't know my sass level. They don't know. But they're used to Pastor Eric, who's nice and you know, such a great teacher. And I'm up here like, wah, 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 wah. you know, anyway, <laughs> it's okay. He goes on to say, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So I want to break those three scriptures down. Romans 8, verse 9, verse 10, and verse 11. All right? And I want to talk about three Greek words. Okay? Sarx, soma, and spirit. Say sarx. That's S-A-R-X. Okay? Some renderings are sarkinos, but that is the word used for carnal nature or flesh. Okay? When it says Romans 8, 9, you are not in the flesh, it means it says sarx. You are not in the sarx, which is the sin nature. You are not in the sarx. You are not in the sarkinos. If the spirit is inside you. Then verse 10, although the body is dead because of sin, guess what? That body word is not sarks. It's a different Greek word. This is important. Like, this is important because we're like, wait a minute. I'm not in the flesh. Yes, I am. I'm literally standing in here. I'm a bag of meat with bones in it. Like, I am right here. What are you trying to say? I'm just a spirit man. No, no, no. You have a soma. It's the Greek word soma. Say soma. soma. You can check me with a strong concordance. You can Google all this. You'll believe the prophet Goagle more than me. I know. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. 
You're welcome. You can steal that. Don't even quote me because it's that cheesy, please. <laughs> if, the Christ, if Christ is in you, although the body, the soma, right. is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And then verse 11, if the spirit who raised him from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. It's soma. Soma through his spirit who lives in you. So here's the deal. God is not dealing with your flesh. It's already been dealt with. I love Graham Cook. Uh, if you don't listen to that guy, you should. Okay, listen to Graham Cook. Great teacher for sure. Prophet. He's amazing. And he says it this way. He says, no one in the Trinity wanted the job of pastoring your old man. Come on. <laughs> I know, right? Nobody wanted that job. So they killed him instead. Like, we can't deal with this guy. He's beyond counseling. He's beyond help. Just get him out of here, man. Come on, right? And that's not what's happening now. He's not dealing with the old you. He's not giving the old you better habits. He's not giving you the old, the old you better behavior patterns or sin management programs, which is much of the discipleship of the church is sin management programs. Flesh management programs. It's based in deception that you're still in the flesh. You're not. You're not. You're not. You do have a soma. You don't have a sarks, but you do have a soma. And your body, they've proven this scientifically. Ask Dr. Christina Thors over here. She'll tell you the studies where I'm writing a book. She's informing me on it and making me look really smart. It's called Renewing Wines. And she's giving me, I have all this, this revelation from the scriptures, and she gives me scientific proof of it. It's the coolest thing. She does. So they have proven that your body stores trauma. Your cells store it. Although the body is dead because of sin. Hello, they're proving the Bible. Although the body is dead because of sin. So you know, like that memory that you can't think of without wanting to cry or throw up? <laughs> yeah, that's damage that God wants to heal. And it says a promise in here that the spirit, Sarks, Soma, spirit, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is not just going to get you to heaven. It's going to bring life to your mortal body right now. Right now. He wants to heal you of those things. He wants to restore you right now. Don't put it off until the millennium or the second coming or any of that stuff. He said, I, the spirit, if this spirit lives in you, you know what it's doing? It's not fighting your flesh. It's fighting for your body. It's fighting for your healing, not fighting against you. Because the old is gone. I'm going to rapid fire some scriptures. Are you ready? I'm just going to prove this. I'm going to give you quick scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. Some of these will be familiar. Some of them won't. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. It says, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. Whoa, hard stop. What? The church does all the time. <laughs> Hello. And yes, that's about the outward appearance. We regard no one according to who they are in the natural, what they're acting like. But the church does. Absolutely. It does. But let's not. Let's just not. Amen? Let's make a commitment to be biblical in our Christianity. How about it? Okay? We regard no one according to the flesh. That means when somebody wrongs you, you should say, that was so unlike them, not how dare they. This is very practical, really quick, going, whoa, that person is not acting themselves today, this year, the last 10. It's fine. <laughs> I've acted very unlike myself this week. Hello? <laughs> Come on. 
but it doesn't put me on the other, back on the other side of the cross. Hello? From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. Hold on. Hard stop. Use your brain. Jesus didn't sin. So what are they talking about? They're talking about the outward appearance. They're talking about the natural man. We shouldn't be looking at the outside to get to know the inside. We should be looking at the inside to get to know the purpose of the outside. Did you follow me? I know that was a little Dr. Seuss-ish, <laughs> but I hope you're okay. All right. I'm just going to keep reading. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone, say anyone, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Not halfway. It's not half and half. Half and half is great for coffee and that's it. Okay, so don't give me this yin and yang neoplatonism garbage. It's the doctrine of demons. It's Plato, not Paul. It's empty deceit. It's human philosophy according to the traditions of man. It's not the gospel. Come on. The old has passed away. The new has come. Amen. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Wait a minute. A lot of church says I'm the problem. How are you the problem if you ain't even breathing? <laughs> if your old self is dead, how is it the problem? It's no longer I who lives, so it's no longer I who's the problem. I know this is tense. It's like, wait a minute. So what's the problem? Your beliefs are the problem. <laughs> Hello? What you believe about you is the problem. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. Come on. All right. I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. Oh, no. We must be in the flesh. No. Come on. Let scripture balance scripture. Paul wrote Galatians 2.20 and Romans 8.9. You are not in the flesh. So what can this mean? This must mean the life we live in the body. Just like 2 Corinthians 5. We no longer record, regard Christ according to his outward natural man. And we no longer, the life we live in this natural body, are you understanding? Like you got to have, you got to read with discernment because the word sarkinos is used for the flesh of Christ, except he had no sin. So we have to know when it's meaning what based on the context, the intent of the author, what else has been written about that subject? Come on. If your interpretation, man, we're going real deep. It's the teacher anointing. You like jumped on me, Eric. <laughs> This ain't preaching. This is teaching. All right. This is a class. Here we are. All right. If your interpretation of one scripture directly disagrees with your interpretation of another scripture, one of your interpretations is wrong. The scriptures are not wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> okay. And it's okay. We're learning. We're growing from glory to glory. Amen. We're all learning. We're all being discipled. So the life I live now in the flesh, that's my person. I live by the faith in the, my faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Again, pointing back to the cross. Pointing back to what he did, not what we're trying to do. Listen, it's not you trying to be like Christ that makes you Christ-like. It's you relishing and celebrating the fact that he put his life in you. And it's just going to come out as you honor what he's done. It's called bearing fruit. I've never seen an orange tree stand on the side of the road and go, Oranges! And try really hard to produce fruit. I'm going to focus right now. I, gotta, I can't deal with that. i got to focus. I've never seen an apple tree go, apples. Apples, 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 apples. 
And yet we're in prayer meetings like, Lord, we crucify our flesh. Remove all that is impure within me. He's like, I did. Done that. Can we pray something I can do next? Hello? Like, I got angels waiting for assignments, and you're worried about something I dealt with 2,000 years ago. What is happening? I'm just going to keep reading Galatians 5, 24 through 25, in case you don't believe me. And those who belong to Christ. Do you belong to Christ? Does anyone here belong to Christ? Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. What? I was raised to crucify my flesh. I was told how to do it. I was taught this is what you do. I'll show you it's impossible just so you can all see. Sorry, podcast. You're not going to get this, but just imagine. All right, here we go. I'm going to crucify myself. Let's start with the feet. All right, here's the feet. Those are nailed in. Feels, feels like I'm getting holier by the second. Come on. That was a good joke. Holier. Come on. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm going to start with this hand. Here we go. Here we go. All right, I'm nailed in by my feet in one hand. And now let's complete the task. I know, somebody's got to come help me. But I was told to crucify my flesh, so I don't. I can't do it. can't do it. It's actually impossible. And Jesus knew it. That's why he crucified you for you. Okay. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. It gets better. With its passions and desires. Because some will say, oh, yeah, the flesh is crucified, but the passions and desires thereof, they're still here. What, are you, what book are you reading? What are you reading? I'm sorry. It runs directly against what is written for us. Come on. Galatians 6. Galatians has a lot of these. But Galatians 6.14 says, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, but much of the church is boasting in her own cross. All the time. With pride. From the pulpit. I'm carrying my cross. Stop it. He carried you to the cross. You were crucified in union with him on his cross. You don't even get your own cross, bro. I know he said, take up your cross and follow me. He's talking about follow me to Calvary. Receive my sacrifice. Okay. Far be, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So the world's just got it grips in me, blah, blah, blah. The world still has, you know, a hold on me. No, no, no. You're deceived into thinking the world still has its grip in you. Oh, the world still got a hold of that, that sister. No, it doesn't. You're deceived into thinking that's the problem, and you're not helping. You're not helping. I got another one for you. Can you take one more? One more? Okay. Colossians 3, 9 through 10 says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have... Put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Did you know only the new self gets renewed in the kingdom? Only new things get renewed. That's how you go from glory to glory. You start glorious and then you go to another level of glory. You start new and you go to another level of renewed. Hello? New things get renewed. So if you're starting with the old... You're on the wrong holiness program. You're on the man-made traditions of men 
Paul called it the doctrine of demons. Get mad at him, not me. Okay, that's the doctrine of demons. It's religion, and it's worst form. Is you suck, and we're here to work on you. No, here's the thing. You're way too awesome to be acting that stupid. Step up into who you really are, because that is not you. One of those is empowering. The other one is, is crippling. Uh-huh. I'm not saying you don't got issues. I'm not saying I don't got issues. You want to know you got sin damage? Get married. That'll tell you. That'll tell you all. That'll point out to you. Come on, married couples. Go to that beloved conference. You know what I'm talking about, right? Marriage is a mirror. It's like, hey, look at all your bad stuff. Now I get to see your bad stuff every day I live with you. It's easy when you're single and all that stuff, and you get to, like, go home and separate, and they don't see your junk. You know, they don't see your bad habits. They don't see. My wife knows I got sin damage. Hello? I'm talking about me. I'm not like, hey, I have some revelation, and I need to give it to you so that you come up and be holy like me. No. I'm saying we all are in process, but let's get on the right process. Let's start with the right starting place. His finish line is your starting point. When he said it is finished, you began. Your new self began at the cross and your new self is what's being renewed. How? In knowledge after the image of its creator. Meaning we should be looking at the creator and the more we get aware of him, the more our real self comes out. Have you seen the picture? It's not looking at your old wretched self. It's looking at him Beholding the Lamb. As we behold Him in a mirror, we're transformed into the same image. 2 Corinthians 3, right? Come on. So sin is an if, not a when situation. Sin is an if, not when situation. W-H-E-N. It's not when you sin. It's if you sin. I, again, I understand what you've been taught. I know. You've been steeped in false teaching and heresy for a long time. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I'm just doing my best because I'm in front of you right now, okay? So, and I'm not mad at anybody. Like, I'm not mad. People have been doing the best they can. They're just repeating what they've been told. I get it. It's okay. I'm not upset. I'm not upset. So if you're thinking of people who taught you other things, I'm not thinking of them, so that's on you, all right? I don't know who they are. I can't see in your head. I'm not talking about them. Are you with me? I'm not trying to be accusatory towards the beautiful bride of Christ or our brothers who have gone before or people who have done amazing things that I have major theological differences with. I'm not talking about them. I'm just saying the scriptures say sin is an if, not when. 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 2 says, My little children, I'm writing things, these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin. We have, we, have, we have warped this thing. That's the bar. This is John the Beloved who walked with Christ. You think you know a little bit about his perspective on his identity? Hello? I mean, he walked with the creator in, in flesh and bone. He said, if anyone, if any one of us does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay? Romans 6, 6, another one. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. I looked up that Greek word, nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> brought to nothing. Abased, completely destroyed, demolished. 
so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I mean, how long have you been in church and haven't heard someone say, sin has no dominion over you? I mean, really? That should be shouted from the rooftop. Here's what Jesus has done. He set you free from, totally free from all bondage, all sin. And you know what it does? It doesn't give you an excuse to sin. It removes your excuses for sin. It's a higher level of accountability, not a lower level. It's not lowering the bar. It's pulling, it's putting the bar where it's supposed to be and saying, you know what? All your sin, theological sin excuses, no good anymore. All your theological acrobats about Paul and Romans 7 and things like that that you want to do to prove to me that it's okay that you sin. Sorry, I'm removing your excuses. You're actually called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've received. It's possible. God doesn't give you a call without the equipment to follow the command. He actually equips you to do what he asks you to do. He doesn't say chop down the cherry tree with, a, uh, with a, a screwdriver. He gives you a chainsaw. You know what I'm saying? He gives you the equipment. And it's the new heart. It's your new self, which is here to heal the old heartache from the old self. I'm going to say that again. You were given a new heart not just to be like, yeah, I got a new heart. You were given a new heart to deal with the old heartache. You were given a new self to deal with the damage from the old self. Because has anyone lied to anyone in here before? Did it cause problems? Did it cause chaos? Yeah, you, you know, now you got to go ask, you got to repent, you got to ask for forgiveness, you got to go clean up your messes. And you're accountable now because you're saying, I'm in Christ and there is no darkness in him. So I have no excuses. I have no more excuses for sin. <laughs> I know the church is like, well, that's not a good deal because I like my excuses. They, they help me out. They help me explain me to me. Well, you're actually not supposed to be merely human anymore. Paul said it to the Corinthians. Are you acting as mere humans? What are you doing? You're, you're jealous. You're fighting. You're sinning against one another. Are you, you're acting as merely human. You're not only human. I hate it. I hate it when churches, I get the heart, but I hate it when people say, well, we're only human. What you're doing is creating an excuse paradigm. Well, you're not only human anymore. Does the Holy Spirit of God dwell in you? You are not simply human anymore. You know Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant, Protestant uh, Reformation, the guy who did the thesis, you know, all that stuff. He's the reason our church is the way it is. He believed this. He did. He stood up and preached. He was like, this is what Romans says. I, you're no longer enslaved to sin. You're set free from sin. And he was, he was one, someone who was listening to him. I don't know their rank or someone in the church. Someone came back at him and said this while he's teaching this. said, if this is true, then one can do whatever he pleases. And Martin Luther looks back and says, yes, now what pleases you? If this is true, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Now what do you want to do? See, the reality is, once you come into Christ, your desires change. Everything changes. You no longer like to sin. The last time you sinned and enjoyed it was before Christ. Find me a believer who will boast and say, oh, yeah, I love sinning. Find me one. Find me one. I don't think they exist. You know what you do find? You find believers who try to relabel sin as not sin. But you'll never find a believer says, oh, I love it when I sin. It's good. I don't have any regret. That's not a believer. Let me help you. That is not a Christian. 
If you love your sin, you are not a believer. I'm not saying temporary pleasure. I'm not saying like because you're like mad in traffic, you want to donkey kick someone in the throat and then you cuss them out. That's me. Is that just me? I'm sorry. I want to physically. Sometimes on I-4, it's like you get cut off. I got my kids in the car. I want to pull over and donkey kick someone in the throat for endangering my children. In your anger, do not sin, right? That's the thing. I'm like, ah, that's sin damage. It's not my flesh popping up out of the bushes. Like, ah, you know what I mean? That's sin damage. And if I get healed of that damage, that won't be my response. But I'm being healed. I'm being restored. Come on, right? That's the process, is healing the damage. The spirit will bring life to your mortal bodies. It's not fighting against your flesh. It's healing your body. And your desires change. Your desires change. There is one other situation which is very scary, which is far and few between, which is an apostate. It's the reprobate mind. Someone who has tasted of the gift, has the Holy Spirit, and has somehow, in deception, in utter depravity, now rejected the goodness of God and said, the God I know is not God anymore. Like, you have to actually know him first and then turn your back on him to be an apostate. That's very few people, okay? But they do exist. It's in Hebrews somewhere. Read the whole book. You'll find it. It's good. <laughs> it's somewhere in Hebrews. It talks about the, I think it's Hebrews chapter 9, 10, I don't know. 6. It's Hebrews 6. Thank you, Pastora Jessica, I think that was. I don't know. Anyway, so it's possible, but that's really few and far between. And let me help you. It doesn't say it's impossible for them to enjoy heaven. It's impossible for them to receive salvation long term. No, it says it's impossible for them to be brought back to repentance. Meaning once they go there with their mind, they ain't coming back with their mind. It says don't even pray for them. It's not worth praying for them to be brought back to repentance. That's a scary thing. But I just want to be biblical here. I'm not trying to leave anything out or ignore parts of Scripture that make me uncomfortable. That is a real thing, but that is very few. And I've been, I've been uh, opposed for this with that thing. People saying, well, what about, you know, they, someone, I'll just say it this way. Someone came to me uh, in, in my recent history in our church and said, but I was an apostate. I said, no, you weren't. Like, yeah, I was. I, I backslid from God and I, I rejected Christ and all this stuff. I'm like, no, you didn't. And they're like, how can you say that? I'm like, you're standing right here. The Bible says it's impossible for you to be brought to back, back to repentance if you do that. Did you repent? Oh, yeah, I repented. I totally repented. I came back to Jesus. But I'm like, then you were never an apostate. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, you, it's impossible to be brought back to repentance. Yeah, you can, you can make bad choices. Again, this is, the under, this, is, this is another point, but I'm underpinning the whole idea. It's possible for a Christian to sin. It's no longer natural for a Christian to sin. And we only sin because we're unhealed of the damage done while in the sin nature. And the damage done from others sinning against us. And the damage done while we are in new or a new creation but still choosing sin. Are you with me? I know that might feel complicated, but I promise you, this is freedom I'm talking about here. Because you can start to see yourself this way. And you can start to participate in the restoration process. So very quickly, we are free, but we have wounds. Amen? Anyone want to say you've not been wounded? 
all right? He must have just got here on planet Earth. I don't know where you came from, but this place is difficult, all right? Right? Come on, somebody. We are free from sin, but we have wounds. Amen? Here, this is, these are the four truths of restoration right here. The second truth is our wounds, when unhealed, they become strongholds in our lives. If you don't deal with a wound, it will become a stronghold, and you'll have unwanted behaviors and habits and reactions, like wanting to donkey kick people in the throat on I-4. You know? <laughs> I'm not being funny. I want to, like, you know, it's like a, but that is from an unhealed wound. Hello? Are you okay? Are you like, I'm never coming back here. This guy's got problems. <laughs> you want me to lie and act like I got no issues? I'm trying to cancel my subscription to issues, but I still got issues. You know what I'm saying? So I'm with you in this. I'm not up here saying I got it all together. Are you okay? All right. If you do not heal, it will become a stronghold. And you'll have unwanted behaviors that seem to be natural, but they're not natural. You know how you can just do things? You ever heard second nature? Like driving stick? Anybody drive stick? Yeah, I drive stick. It's second nature. I can drive it without thinking. But it didn't come natural to me. I learned it. It's my second nature, not my first nature. So just because you have a reaction, it's second nature to react, doesn't mean it's your first nature. And I'm talking about your first nature, which is what Christ gave us back. We have strongholds that keep us from living out our first nature, and those need to come down. The Jerichos, the AI, the, all the, the kings of the promised land, all the battles were in the promised land. So you're called to fight. But you're given weapons, new weapons of warfare to fight these things off. So we're free, but we've all been wounded. Our wounds went unhealed, become strongholds in our lives. But God, number three, God wants every single person healed and restored. Completely healed and restored. That's God's plan for your life. Every single one of you. You're like, well, it hasn't happened yet. Well, have faith. Come on. Come on. And number four, you cannot do this thing alone. It is impossible to be restored by yourself. You are not designed to be restored on your own. You are designed for a community. That's why I love seeing so many fresh faces and everything. Stick in here, man. Get in community. Let somebody call you up and say, you know what? That's not right. You're not acting like yourself. Like God, The Bible says not to do that. But you've got to have relational equity to be able to have that conversation. Let Eric and Sarah pastor you if they bring correction to you. That's just a place for your woundedness to be healed. It's not an assault on who you are. I promise you, we're very clear on this. I don't set in place anybody, okay? I know that they think this of you. They think you are a new creation. They do think that. I would not set them in place otherwise. I wouldn't, okay? I promise you, they have the same perspective. They do. They're a gift. You guys don't even know. Eric and Sarah are a gift from heaven, okay? And if you refuse the gift, you will stay immature. You will stay Wounded. If you refuse the gift of community, you will stay as you are. God designed us to need each other. We're a body, many parts coming together. Are you with me? Get in a life group. Get to know somebody. Go out to eat with each other after this. Like, come on. Be family. Amen? Amen. So you're free, but you got wounds. Our wounds unhealed become strongholds. God wants everybody totally restored, and you cannot do it alone. You have to walk with others through the process. Amen? So do you have a sin nature? No. You got some damage that needs to be healed? Me too. Amen? Would you stand? We're going to pray. And I'm going to hand it off to Eric. We're just going to close quickly. I went too long, but I felt like you needed it. So here we go. 
Just put your hand on your heart. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Come on, out loud. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you for your finished work. Thank you, Lord, that you have rescued us. You have set us free from sin. Lord, we invite you to heal us now. We invite your spirit to bring life to our mortal bodies. We thank you, God. We believe by faith that that's what you're going to do. You're not warring against our flesh. You're warring for our mortal bodies to be healed, restored, every single part of us. Spirit, soul, body, completely set free and restored into who you've called us to be. We thank you, God, for that. And we got, we'd say, Lord, we will walk through the process together. Come on, just commit to the Lord. Like, this is your design. I need people, and they need me. We will walk through the process together. I'm not going to try and heal on my own. I'm going to be restored with my brothers and sisters. So, Lord, thank you for this community. Thank you for the one on my left and my right. Thank you for the uh, uh, fellowship of faith that says we are new creations, and we have damage that needs to be healed. So thank you, Lord. For loving brothers and sisters that are, we're going to restore each other in the spirit of gentleness as we walk out this process. We thank you, Lord, for it. I bless this room. I bless each person here. I thank you for them in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening Amen. to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.